This is KMTT. Tuesday, Parshat HaShavua, will be delivered by Rav Alex Israel. Parsha Vayet Hanan, which we read this week, is a parsha which is blessed with some of the most popular passages that we know from Torah. What of course I'm referring to is that this week we will be reading the Ten Commandments, the Aseret Adibrot, and also uh, Parshat Kriyat Shema. And so I thought that uh, since we do read Kriyat Shema multiple times every day, it would be worthwhile devoting our uh, share this week to a deeper appreciation of uh, this passage, or maybe we'll even focus on the first line, uh, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. Now, of course, this line has um, holds an incredible place in our liturgy. It's one of the first lines taught to a child when they uh, learn how to read. And in fact, it is the last line that a person is meant to recite on his deathbed. It's something which we say um, together, everyone together at Ni'ila. And why is it so important? The Mishnah in Masechet um, Brachot, which spends a lot of time talking about Shema, tells us that the uh, purpose of Shema is to be Mekabel Alav Omalchut Shamaim. Amr Rabbi Yoshua ben Karacha, Lama Kadma Shema Lebahaya im Shemoa, Ela Kadei Shekabel Alav Omalchut Shamaim Tchila, Vachakachi Kabel Alav Omitzvot. That the first paragraph of Shema is there to be Mekabel Alav O Malchut Shamaim, which essentially means the notion of accepting upon oneself the authority of God, the authority of mitzvot, literally to receive upon oneself the yoke of the kingdom of heaven. We are expressing our acceptance of God's um, control over our lives and one of the most famous stories which are mentioned in the in the Talmud in Brachot is the story of Rabbi Akiva's martyrdom. We just uh, had a kina about that a few days ago on Tisha B'Av when we read about the Asara Harogei Malchut and uh, in the famous story about Rabbi Akiva who is being executed um, it's on it's in uh, Brachot of Samach Aleph in the Gemara there um, it, it says Rabbi Akiva was brought out to be executed precisely at the time when he was meant to read Kriyat Shema. And as they were um, using iron combs to, to kill him, to flay his flesh, The phrase isn't, he was reciting Shema. He was doing his last mitzvah. He was mekabel alav omal chutzamayim. In other words, he was saying, even though you kill me, I am fully committed to Judaism. So the question is, I think, how does this very simple phrase Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad? How does it express this idea of kabbalat omal chutzamayim? And let's try and examine this uh, very simple phrase, only six words, 
but try and understand that it actually is quite a, a difficult phrase. Let me look into the text of, of Shema and raise a few questions as we start. Okay, so we start with Shema Yisrael. Listen Israel, or hear O Israel. Um, who's talking Shema Yisrael? And why does it need to begin with Shema Yisrael? Could we not say, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad? If I'm professing my faith, faith, I don't need to say Shema Yisrael. I just need to say, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. So what is the role of Shema Yisrael? Maybe I'll add, what is the idea of Yisrael? Couldn't we just say, Shema, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad? Is there an importance in Yisrael? So that's the second question. What's the role of Shema? Uh, maybe I should uh, elaborate the question about Shema. There are two possible meanings in the in the phrase Shema. When you look at uh, the, for example, Rab Sajigaon on this pasuk, uh, on Shema Yisrael, he says, Da Yisrael. Israel, you should know. The Shema means you should know. It's an intellectual knowledge. However, we already mentioned the phrase, Mekabel alav malchut shamayim. In other words, is Shema Israel no Israel, or is Shema Israel really um, listen, hearken, um, obey, obey Israel? Is it about just hearing? Is it about understanding? In other words, is it about something audio? Is it about something intellectual? Or is it about something emotional, committal? Relational. Kabel Yisrael. Difficult to know how to read that phrase, Shema. So we've asked about Shema. We've asked about Yisrael. Let's keep going. Hashem Elokeinu. Hashem Echad. Interesting phrase. Hashem is our God. Hashem is one. Why do we need to repeat the word Hashem? We could just say Hashem Elokeinu Echad. Hashem, our God, is one. Why do you say Hashem is our God? Hashem is one. So why the repetition of Yudke Vavke? And last of all, the word Echad is particularly difficult. When we say Echad, what do we mean? God is one. What does that mean? One as opposed to two? In other words, are we saying we only have one God and we don't have a trinity or we don't have a whole pantheon of other gods? God is just one, we have one God. Or are we saying something different? That God is the Yachid, that God is the only one? In other words, if I had to say something about my God, I might say, Hashem is Hakel HaGadol HaGibor Rahanurah. Hashem is Rachum V'Chanun. There are lots of things you can say about God, that He is merciful, that He is great, that He is... Um, all-knowing, he is all-powerful. And therefore, when we say Hashem Echad, are we saying God is the only force in the universe? Not just God is one as opposed to two, but God is everything? So how, how do we interpret this phrase? So I would like to um, already begin some of the different dimensions of this and maybe we will start with something which seems a little more um, midrashic 
but with the notion of Yisrael, Shema Yisrael. What is what is being said here? And here I would like to quote from the Rambam. The Rambam actually quotes a midrash from Bereshit Rabbah, but it's uh, interesting that it appears in a halachic work, in a halachic uh, code like the Mishnah Torah. Let me let me read from the Rambam Hilchot Kriyat Shema. Um, the Rambam says the following: After you finish Kriyat Shema, the first line, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. Omer Belachash, you say quietly, Baruch Shem Kabod Malchuto Le Olam Vaed. And then you carry on with Yahafta. So says the Rambam. So the Rambam says, So why do we say Baruch Shem Kabod Malchuto Le Olam Vaed? Um, that is actually not a verse from the Torah. It, it doesn't appear in, in, in Chumash. He says, Lama Korim Kain. Why do you read this line? He says, and I'll, I'll paraphrase the Hebrew. It is a tradition in our hands that at the time that Yaakov gathered all of his children, our patriarch Yaakov, Yaakov Avinu, gathered all of his children in Egypt around his deathbed. He wanted to encourage them about the notion of one God. Again, what's Yaakov doing? Maybe Yaakov is there, leaving his family in the midst of uh, the paganistic Egypt environment. And he wanted to encourage them that the most important thing was their commitment to God. Um, and so what did he do? He said to them, Is there anybody possibly who doesn't believe in God? And he, he, so the people, so all of the children, Anu Kulam Amru, Shema Yisrael Hashem Barokeinu Hashem Echad. All of the children responded, Shema Yisrael, here the notion of Yisrael is, they are turning around to Yaakov, who is also known as Yisrael. Shema Yisrael, listen father, listen Yisrael. Hashem Barokeinu Hashem Echad, we have no doubt. So he says, um, so Yaakov responded, He said, "Thank God, thank God that uh, I have a family like this. Thank God that um, my entire family is committed to to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Here, the notion of Israel." is referring to Yaakov himself. And what is remarkable is that this doesn't, this this uh, puts a sort of conversation into the Shema. Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, there's a response, Baruch Shem Kavod Malchuto Olam Vaed. It's interesting that the Rambam quotes this Midrash from Bereshit Rabbah, that that's the origin of Baruch Shem Kavod, but this recurs in Midrash Devarim Rabbah, in this week's Parsha. And uh, listen to this fascinating midrash. It's in uh, Devarim Rabbah Parsha Bet. In my edition, it's Siman Lamed Aleph. Um, and this is what it, it says here. Rav Pinchas Bar Chama says that we learn Shema Israel from Matan Torah. Ketzad, how? He says, at Har Sinai, God introduced himself to the people. And he said to them, Shema Yisrael, Anochi Hashem Elokecha. 
נענו כולם ואמרו, השם אלוקינו השם אחד. ומשה אמר, ברוך שם כבוד מלכותו לעולם ואין. Here is an amazing uh, conversation. God turns around to the people on the, from the top of Mount Sinai and says, Shema Israel, listen Israel. Anochi Hashem Elokecha, I am Hashem. And the people respond and say, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, we accept your authority. Moshe almost concurs, just like Yaakov, and says, Baruch Shem Kavod Malchuto Le'olam Ba'ed. Now the reason why I, I find these quite amazing is that this notion of Yisrael, the presence of Am Yisrael, is almost a historical heritage which is being woven into this statement. Shema could have said, Shema, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, but Shema Yisrael says that we come from a tradition of faith. This goes back to our, to our very origin. Um, maybe I can, can quote from Rav Soloveitchik um, in the book uh, published posthumously, Worship of the Heart. He says, The creed of Shema goes back to the very origin of our history, to the dawn of our collective existence. The solemn declaration is perhaps the first truth to which our great patriarchs discovered. It became their motto and their dominant motif in life. It is not merely a theoretical truth, a philosophical pronouncement, a religious dogma, a norm. It is rather the shibboleth of our historical uniqueness, a living doctrine which bears witness to our charismatic quality and which keeps us together as one, spanning almost the whole course of ages, uniting us with our patriarchs, drawing them into our temporal ontic circle, thus lending to our own existence the tenor of timelessness. And he says, the reading of Shema is a dialogue between the ages, the continual restaging of the historic meeting of Jacob and his sons, pregnant with paradoxical destiny, full of import. This is quite a, an amazing thing. So when we say Shema Yisrael, the notion of Yisrael, whether it refers to Yaakov, who is Yisrael, or whether it refers to Am Yisrael at Har Sinai, we almost see this statement as having been a refrain a constant anima amin, a statement of faith which spread from uh, the Avot through to Yaakov in exile wanting some sort of reassurance that his children would remain uh, faithful to God. And it becomes the ultimate statement of faith when we hear about Har Sinai and we hear about uh, the, the Ten Commandments Am Yisrael, we always think about their response as being the Asev and Ishma, but the Midrash puts into their, their, their mouth, not just the Asev and Ishma, but a response to Anochi, Hashem Elokecha is, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, and now Shema Yisrael becomes something of a conversation. It's not just Moshe saying Shema Yisrael, God is saying Shema Yisrael. And uh, in this regard, I come back to the, he's saying Shema Yisrael, listen Israel, or maybe he's saying, Obey Israel. Are you willing to accept my authority, Israel? And we say, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. I find this a remarkable, a remarkable uh, framing of Shema. Because what it really does is put Shema, as Rav Soloveitchik said, connecting us to the entire gamut of Jewish history, 
to when we say Shema, we're hearing the echoes of Harsinai, we're hearing the echoes of Yaakov Avinu, and that is that is an amazing thing. So Yisrael is very much part of the statement. This is a statement not of each of us as a lone individual, but it is a statement of us as a nation, not just a nation horizontally that I'm connected to every other Jew through this statement, but also vertically. I'm connected to all the generations who have preceded me and the generations who will come after me. I'm connected to my history. I'm connected to my future. And if we've spoken about history and future, I now want to come to the second segment here, which is to understand about Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. And I ask, why, do, why does the name Hashem, Yudke Vavke, need to be repeated? What are, we, what are we saying here? If we look at uh, Rashi, Rashi gives us a fascinating historical reading uh, to interpret this phrase. And let me explain. I'll, I'll read Rashi first. Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. I'm reading Rashi. Hashem Shehu Elokeinu Ata Velo Elokeinu Hu Atid Liot Hashem Echad. This is the way that Rashi reads it. Hashem Elokeinu. And maybe this is a question I should have raised in my set of questions. Why don't we say Hashem Hu HaElokim? We could say Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokim or Hashem Hu HaElokim Hashem Echad. Why don't we say that? What's Hashem Elokeinu? If God is the God, then why is he El God? So Rashi says, that's the way Rashi reads it. Hashem Shehu Elokeinu Ata. At the moment, we are the only nation upon earth who represent God. We are the only nation who acknowledge God. Uh, and therefore, Hashem U Elokeinu Ata, the law Elokeha Umot. But who Atidiyot Hashem Echad. There will be a time when God will be the only God. Hashem will be the only God. And of course, he quotes the pasuk from Zechariah, "Bayom Ahu Yeh Hashem Echad Ushmo Echad," and that refers to apocalyptic, eschatological, messianic times, where at the end of days, "Bayom Ahu Yeh Hashem Echad Ushmo Echad," there will be universal recognition of God. So, Rashi's reading of Shema is, is amazing. It's not just a statement of faith; it's a statement of of history. And of faith in the future. Listen Israel. Hashem is our God now. But in the future. Everyone will recognize Hashem. In the future there will be times. Where there will be universal recognition of the Almighty. Hashem Elokeinu now. He is only our God at the moment. But he will be Hashem Echad. Now. I have to say. I don't think too many people read the Shema. With this, with this intention in mind. And I think people read it more in a sort of uh, absolutist statement of faith. And that works much more with the, the way the Rashbam and the Ibn Ezra, the Pashtanim, read this line. I'm sure um, what Rashi is trying to do here is to echo the twice-mentioned Yudke Vavke uh, and the Hashem Echad as being paraphrasing Bayom Ahu Yeh Hashem Echad Echad. He also quotes another passage from Tzfania. But the Rashbam understands it differently. Let me um, explain according to the Rashbam. 
he says, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Hu Levado Elokeinu Ve'en Lanu Eloacherimo. Hashem Elokeinu means Hashem is our only God. He alone is our God and there is no other God with him. Okay, and he quotes from Tivayamim, Hashem Elokeinu Velo Azavnuhu, etc., etc. What's Hashem Echad? Lo levadon avod velo netzaref imo eloha acher. We will not have any God alongside God. In the Odd Scroll, they translate the Shema, Hear, O Israel, Hashem is our God, Hashem the one and only. That's how they translate Hashem Echad. And I think that is in line with the Rashbam. In other words, what does he say? Hashem is our God. Right, we don't have any other. Hashem Echad, he is the one and only. Mm, I think that is a very familiar reading of God. A reading of the Shema, sorry. In this regard, let me just uh, make one statement about the word Hashem, which is actually written Yudke Vavke by the Tetragrammaton and the Elokeinu. The word Elokeinu, Elohim, we've spoken about this in a previous shir, I think a shir on Parshat uh, Mishpatim. Elohim simply means God, or I'd say even more than that, it can mean uh, power. In fact, the word uh, El really does mean power. And say for Bereshit, when uh, Lavan is chasing Yaakov and he says, do I have the power to harm you? He uses the word for power. Yeshla El Yadi. El means power. How does El become a god, or Elohim? Elohim really means, it's the plural. When we say God is Elohim, we're saying that God is the sum of all the powers. In other words, in ancient Greece Greece or or in the mythology of the ancient world, different gods represented physical powers. You had a god of fire, and you had the god of, uh, you know, you had Atlas who holds the world up, and you had... uh, you know, you had all different gods, the god of the wind, the god of the rain, the god of the sea, uh, the god of fertility. Every power of nature had a god. When we say, those are all Elim, or Elilim. But when we say that Hashem, Huha Elohim, we say, God is the sum of the powers. And therefore we can talk about Elohim, Achirim, other gods, because the word Elohim is not intrinsically Holy, Elohim Achirim, you can say Elohim and not Elohim, because Elohim simply means a God. It's not the God. Um, Yudke Vavke is different. Yudke Vavke is God's private name. Like everybody has, we're all people, but God, every person has their name, which refers to them. Yudke Vavke only refers to the God of Israel, Hashem, Yudke Vavke, whatever you want to uh, call him. And therefore, it, it's interesting when we can say, Hashem Elokeinu. Hashem, the, the, the deity who we know as Yudke Vavke, that's his proper name, is Elokeinu, is our God. Right? He is our power. He is our exclusive power. And that's what the Rashbam is getting at here. Hashem Elokeinu. Hashem Levado Elokeinu. Only God is our power. We don't have a pantheon of gods. We don't. We're not polytheists. Um, Hashem Elokeinu. Hashem is our only God. The Ein Lanu says the Rashbam. We have no other God. And when we say Hashem Echad, it means it is only Hashem, only 
God alone. So that is uh, the statement of faith that we're making according to the Rashbam. The Rashbam disagrees with his grandfather. He doesn't have the historical meaning of the Shema, but rather it says this is indeed a profession of faith. However, I would like to bring a third explanation here um, to explain this. And this is the explanation that you find in the Malbim. I find it a very charming explanation. And I think on the basis of a historical Near Eastern background, we can understand maybe some of some of what he's saying. Many of you who are listening will be familiar with the dichotomy between Hashem as the Midat HaRachamim and Elohim as Midat HaDin. By the way, that, that follows on from what we've said before, because of course Hashem is God's proper name, and to that degree if we have the opportunity to know God's name, we have an intimate relationship with Him. And once we have a relationship with God, once you know somebody, then they are going to warm up to you, they are going to have a relationship. Yudke um, Vavke means that we, God is He was, He is, He will be, He is in time, He is with us, He is above time, but He is in time, and therefore He represents mercy, mercy is a product of a relationship, whereas Elokim simply means power. As a power, power is deaf to anything. Um, the, God is simply a power, does not necessarily have a relationship with him. And therefore, once God is merely a power, it is Midat Hadin. Okay. The Malvin relates to this idea of Midat HaRachamim and Midat Hadin in a very interesting way. And in order to appreciate the Malvin, I think we have to take a step into various ancient beliefs. One of the beliefs which is around specifically in the Persian period, but really it's the foundation of all idolatry, all polytheism, is the notion of dualism. Dualism is the idea that really there are two gods. Now the, the truth is that once we have two gods, we can split it up into many more gods. But the foundation of of polytheism, of is, is the idea that there of dualism. Let me explain. It starts with the idea that there is a good God and a bad God. Why is there a good God and a bad God? Well, let me explain. Let's say I am a farmer. And as a farmer, some certain things can happen to me which seem contradictory. Um, I could have had a... Um, a wonderful crop this year where God could have blessed my fields and I could have come up with a yield which was tremendous. But then some tragedy could have happened. Let's say my house could have burnt down. And the question is how we deal with contradictory events in our life. Sometimes good things happen, sometimes bad things happen. Does God love me or does God hate me? So there's a very simple way of being able to sort these things out. There is a good God and there is a bad God. There is the God of good and the God of evil. And uh, to, the, to, to, the, to the degree that uh, we can explain our existence, the good things happen from the good God and the bad things happen from the bad God. That's how people understood their lives. And this is where, by the way, we, we reach the problem with idolatry because, of course, 
if there is a good God and a bad God, they'll be asking me to do different things. The good God might be asking me to do good things, and the bad God might be asking me to do bad things. And in order to make my life successful, I have to appease both of the gods. Now, of course, in more sophisticated polytheistic societies, there were many more gods who referred to all sorts of other powers. And, and, and one had to appease all of them. But the idea of serving God is not obeying a coherent system of ethics. The idea of God, is, the idea of religion, or the idea of serving God is actually appeasing the gods, feeding the gods, giving each of the gods what they, what they need in order that they'll stay off my back, that they'll smile at me, that they'll be happy to me, that the bad God won't be hitting me with all of his uh, bad stuff. And that's, that's part of the, the problem. You know, we talk about ethical monotheism. Ethical monotheism. Why does monotheism go along with ethical? Because in the polytheistic world, you didn't have one address, you had multiple addresses. And each address, each god, had his own demands. And therefore, there is no consistent ethic. For one god, I will do X. For the other god, I will do Y. And I, maybe X contradicts with Y, but I will do both of them in order to ensure that I have a successful life. But... According to monotheism, there is only one God, and therefore there is only one system, and I can internalize that system and not just do that which is pragmatic, that which is effective, but I can internalize their system and understand that which is right and that which is wrong, good and bad. And therefore, uh, we have this understanding of ethical monotheism, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us a, a way of acting which he subscribes to, and which we should subscribe to because we have the same ethical code. You can understand the gods. In polytheism, you can't understand the gods. Um, and therefore, polytheism has something intrinsically uh, arbitrary. And uh, it doesn't help humanity to develop an ethical code. And that's why we talk about ethical monotheism. Of course, I have to add that uh, monotheism has a much bigger problem, which is that monotheism doesn't understand. Sadik Varalo, Rasha Vatovlo, we have a problem when bad things happen to good people and when good things happen to bad people. The polytheist has, doesn't have that problem because he says, well, it's the good God, it's the bad God. If you know, I'm a good person and something bad happens, well, the bad God w w was more powerful for that moment. But we have one God. We, we can't understand. And this is the ultimate question, which the Gemara in Brachot says that Moshe Rabbeinu asked God when he had the chance to talk to him at Har Sinai. So... If you, if you do believe in good and evil, why do bad things happen to good people? It doesn't make sense. And uh, that is the ultimate question that monotheism does not solve. Um, it, it's one of the enduring enduring questions. You know, we make the bracha in the morning, But in Yeshayahu, it was... Uh, the idea being that there were two gods. One was Or, the god of good was the god of light, and the god of Choshech, of Seshalom, that was the god of peace, and there was the god of evil. In other words, there were, and we say, those are all the same god. How does this bring me to the Shema? The Malbim says, that um, if you look at where the Shema is situated in Sefer Devarim, the lines before the Shema talk about Yirat Hashem. We talk about here 
Leman tirad Hashem alokecha. Chapter 6, verse 2, Perak Vav, Pasuk Bet. Leman tirad Hashem alokecha leshmer akolchu kotav mitzvotam. You fear God. But immediately after the Shema, we talk about the Ahavta et Hashem alokecha. And the Ramalbim says, usually you fear a God who's scary, the bad God. Who do you love? The good God. If we have the notion of fear of God and love of God, they seem contradictory. And one might come to the conclusion that we really have two gods. We have a God of judgment, who we should fear, and a God of kindness and mercy, who we should love. Therefore, in the middle, between the Yirat Hashem and the Avan Hashem, we say, Shema Yisrael, Hashem, the God of mercy, Elokeinu, is also the God of judgment. The good God and the bad God. The good things that God does, the kind things that God does, and the harsh things that God does. Hashem Echad. That is all Hashem. And it is all one. Says the Malbim, it is all Echad. We only believe in one source. And ultimately, Hashem. It is all for our good. Our good. Ultimately, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is for the good, even if we don't see it that way. So remarkably, uh, the Malbim gives us a philosophical um, response to idolatry, to polytheism, in this line, with Hash- not in the more abstract uh, philosophical way that the Rush bomb does, but almost uh, on the background of the way that people in the ancient Near East thought. He says, Hashem Elokeinu, the God of mercy, is the God of judgment, um, is the God of din, Hashem Echad, it is all one, and it is all Hashem, it is all merciful. So, what I hope we've done today is spoken a little bit about the elements of Shema. Is Shema just listening? Is Shema um, thinking, intellectual? Or is Shema beyond that? Um, is it something about Kabbalat al Shemayim? And maybe we'll say more than that. Shema might indicate that a conversation is going on between us and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Yisrael! We spoke about the echo of Israel and the journey of faith which we have taken where we belong to a long community of faith which is really the essence of who Am Yisrael are. And Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad we've brought Rashi's explanation, Rashbam's explanation and the Malbim's explanation each which give a, di- which give a different reading to the Shema. And so I hope that uh, as we read Shema this Shabbat and as we read Shabbat Shema um, every single day we will have a little bit more to think about, a little bit more of Kavanah to to know how to fill this uh, foundational Jewish statement of faith with more content thank you very much, wishing everybody Shabbat Shalom